We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Payne Moore NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Tuesday morning. It's March 21st. I think I have the perfect guest to join me today after the Wolves 140-134 win over the Knicks. The Wolves went into New York on Monday evening having lost three in a row, five of their last six with Ant and Cat out of the lineup. I, entering this week, it just kind of felt like the Wolves were walking the plank in ways they kind of know they need to play at least 500 basketball in these final 10 games to even be able to make the play in. And that, again, entering that New York game looked like a tall task, just given the injuries to the best offensive players. I mean, I went into that Knicks game wondering how the hell is this team going to score 100 points? <laughs> and that didn't happen. They they came out and make their first 10 shots of the game, have their best offensive game of the season. Torian Prince goes berserk. And we're here Tuesday morning, not only feeling that the Wolves are back in the mix for a playoff spot, but it looks like they will have reinforcements coming on Wednesday against Atlanta. Both Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns might be making the return from injury on Wednesday. That's a lot. Like I said, perfect guess for this type of episode. Kyle, are the Wolves back or are the Wolves back? What's going on? Uh, that's a great way to cue me up. I would say, to be honest, the perfect guest after the Timberwolves beat the Knicks without Ant, without Carl at Madison Square Garden, Chris Finch passes Tom Thibodeau for second all-time in Timberwolves franchise history for wins at only 98, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, but the perfect guess would have been Gerson Rosas because he was sitting courtside last night watching that <laughs> game. Um, but no, I mean, I, as some people know, also do flagrant howls with our friend Phil Mackey over at Score North. And my take Sunday night was Finch should sit all the good players and just take the Knicks game as an L. <laughs> just just rest up for the final nine. So good uh, idea, Kyle. shout out to me. Um, I definitely know hoops. Uh, but yeah, just just an incredible performance. And also, too, and we're going to get into 42 topics now, but uh, I did kind of find myself feeling bad for like Knicks fans because how many times have Wolves fans been on the other side of like, wait, it's midway through the third and the opponent's shooting 78% from the field. <laughs> like, are they going to miss? Um, it was almost, I mean, it was maybe one of the most incredible shooting performances I've ever watched in any game. Yeah. Timberwolves or non-Timberwolves, you know, whatever. It it was. And, and Torian Prince, right? Like that, I think that's, that's the place to start because one, obviously he has, 35 and an insane shooting performance, but he literally steps into the starting lineup for Anthony Edwards in a game where you're going, okay, this group is so limited in terms of what they have offensively. Should be a pretty solid defensive group, um, but but you needed more offensive juice from that starting lineup or just from the group in general. Prince has 35. Uh, like I said, he never scored more than 23 uh, in Minnesota, makes all eight of his three-point shots. They won the 32 minutes he played by 28 points, and they lost 16 <laughs> minutes he sat by 22. That is an insane shift right there. I mean, and to do it after the Chicago game, I think is is actually kind of like a pretty strong and accurate encapsulation of Torian Prince and kind of 
uh, who he is as a leader, um, as a never too high, never too low type of guy. That was, of course, a really low moment uh, for for Torian Prince individually, for the Wolves uh, as a team on Friday in Chicago when TP makes that turnover uh, at the end of the that game against the Bulls. And I mean, what a what a cool way to uh, to, to bounce back and uh, and drive again a team that's so clearly needed offense, uh, Kyle. I know Tor- for both of us, Torian is uh, is one of our favorite guys to to cover on this team. Um, given that, you know, I I've just always kind of felt like Torian Prince is more than like a seventeen minutes a game guy. He's like the mm-hmm. he's like the one mm-hmm. guy on the the Wolves roster. Where I'm like, you know what? I could see him being like a 28 minutes a game guy on a playoff team as like the fifth starter. I've always kind of thought that about Torian Prince because he's not just an offensive player. He's not just a shooter. He's big and he can defend. Um, they needed somebody in this game to exceed what their expectations are in a major way. And, and, and Torian Prince did that. And even with that, they still barely squeaked this game out because the Knicks on the other side were just about as crazy uh, offensively. What what stands out to you uh, about TP in that game most? The reason that you're so good at this and Britt and Jace and Chris is because you're like what NBA officiating should be, right? Like you're impartial. And the reason that I'm bad at this is because I'm like Ed Malloy. I'm just super emotional. Um, but the whole game last night when TP's doing that, I mean, I was I was guilty of it myself. I was probably a drinker sticks in over the weekend and was like, all right, trade to our inference. Like the Bulls, the Bulls mistake was so crushing. And I've thought about it more, but like, you know, they're, they're up two. they have the ball. There's no shot clock left. He throws the ball away. Like there's a chance they still lose that game. (laughs) The Minnesota Timberwolves are not a team that you trust to go to the free throw line and hit them all. So they could have very well still lost that game, but the way they did it for him to just be one of the vets. um, Although, you know, it's kind of crazy, right? You think he's in his thirties. Yeah. He's only 28. Actually, actually his birthday is tomorrow. So happy early birthday to him. But I was just thinking. Back to the emotional part. I was there at media day. You know, he he was acquired in the Rubio trade, so already kind of had that stink on him, right? It's like, oh, we gave up one of our fan favorites for you. And uh, he had talked about, this was two media days ago, but uh, remember when he was like, yeah, all summer, I was rehabbing my ankle and like, I had to limp to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And as someone who goes to the bathroom in the middle of the night a lot, I was like, <laughs> I feel you. Um, and then at when the season ended last year after the Grizzlies playoff series, I remember a lot of guys just unprovoked talking about Torian Prince on the road, inviting guys into his room and just talking about life. And it was like one of those moments I was like, this dude is like what you just said about being a fifth starter on a playoff team and playing more minutes. That's all true. And I also just from the emotional side, he's just a good vet. Yeah. And for him to let down his team against the Bulls, I didn't really know how he would respond. And he had some pretty Chris Hines or Chris Hines had some good quotes from him in the locker room after the game. But uh, just in just an incredible way to say, I pretty much kind of lost the Bulls game for us. And I pretty much won that Knicks game for us. So Torian hey, Prince is I back. got that quote right here. Here's yes, uh, here's uh, Chris and Torian Prince in the locker room after the game. Friday, the, the turnover is probably something like that. Back, how are we supposed to bounce back from from that? And how did I like say? How did kind of imagine? Days or so. It's definitely on my mind, but not in a in a, in a bad way. Uh, I was more so mad at myself. Um, I haven't made a mistake like that in a few years, but uh, I mean, it happens to the best of them. So uh, I'm just glad. Well, I knew I was going to bounce back. Um, how? Um, I wasn't sure, but the, the timing was perfect. Timing was perfect, Kyle. I mean, it was again exactly what they needed. Uh, kind of needed one of those cool heads to be like, all right, we're not done. Right. And, and that, that was kind of like the ethos I thought of, of Torian Prince's game last night. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you in a major way. And I just, you know, thinking, thinking about like this season and when the wolves have lost players, I mean, we kind of forget that Torian Prince missed, I was 20, 25 games. And that started literally like one or two games before cat got hurt. I remember thinking in that time, I was like, man, this is tough that TP's out too. How long is he going to be out? Because that, again, like I think TP is one of those guys you can plug in to a bigger role. That bigger role was made available. Obviously, Kyle Anderson stepped in and 
has filled that cat void in an admirable way. But having TP too, uh, he's just when someone gets hurt, being able to go to him is is a real needle mover or prevents the needle, I guess, from from moving in in the wrong direction. I don't think I don't think we can you know we could say anything else about about TP. He's just super critical to this team and. And had the best game of his career last night. Uh, un- unambiguously, his best game. You want to move over to Mike Conley? You got anything else on Torian Prince? No, I, yeah, I would go to Minnesota Mike. But I just, you know, that quote from TP is just also a reminder too, and I'm maybe reaching here, but it is just a cool example of the mentality and thought process that goes into being like a professional athlete, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like he had the, what did, I mean, he said it himself. I haven't had a mistake like that in years. He had a, letdown for his team as one of the vets in one of the most important games of the season and for him to just be so cool you know yeah. the never too high never too low mentality uh and just bounce back the way he did i mean they do not even sniff winning that game last night without torian prince so uh yeah what a way to respond and like you said a guy that you can plug in when ants out or something and just i mean his teammates love him so for finch to be able to trust him and to get that type of production um, but yeah, I would also like to go like 60 minutes on Mike Conley because I have a lot of positive things to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that one sticks out uh, just as much. 24 and 11 for Mike uh, in this game. He clearly in Chicago, like recognized right once Ant went down, he knows that his role when Ant is off the floor is to be a significantly higher usage player, um, a more productive offensive player. He knows they need that offense. I think we've seen in these last three games significantly more aggression from Mike Conley, which when that aggression leads to a couple made shots at the beginning, that then opens up his distributing game, which I don't know which was more impressive in that game, the 24 points or the 11 assists. I do know they needed all of those um, in, in this game to win. So things are definitely trending in the right direction with Mike Conley. The, the the scatter plot of of Conley's games has been kind of all over the place since he's got there, but it is more and more often uh, Ben Mike is contributing to winning in in a major way, and it is another thing that this team very much needs and very much needs at at this time of the season. It's all, it's also funny too because when they made the Delo trade for Mike, one of the things we thought was like, yeah, I don't. Maybe they're both equal players ever, but they're they're going to lose some scoring. And then Mike Conley's just dropped like twenty points four times in like the last eight games, and it's been it's been inconsistent because he had a six point game in there, a seven point game. But I don't think you can. I mean, again, shout out to Torian Prince for what he did, but you got to go through Conley's line like twenty four points, eleven assists, two steals, a block, nine for nine from the free throw line, and three for five from three. I mean, he's been incredible to the point where. I woke up this morning and I was just like, let me look at this. He's played 15 games for the Timberwolves. There's a chance he's already one of the 10 best point guards in Timberwolves franchise history. <laughs> I think he's fighting for JJ Barea for like 10th right now. I think we could give it to him. <laughs> so, I mean, but and again, it's just he, there was a moment last night that I, that really stuck out. He, uh, he's not a great defender just by age and size and stuff, but he, he tries. And sometimes that's kind of all you want from a guy is to just give you effort. But he was guarding, I think Brunson and Brunson comes through the lane and, and Conley falls down and rolls his ankle. But in the moment, you didn't know if it was like an ankle or a knee and he looked pretty tough. Right. And he was immediately like, no, 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 I'm staying in. I'm staying in. Um, and just kind of those just little things, right. He's like, no, no, no. I, I, like, I, if I leave, yeah. What the hell are we going to do at point guard? Who's going to score points for us? So his toughness, his veteran leadership, they posted the Wolves posted the video after the game of Mike coming in the locker room. He's already had handshakes with everyone, but Matt Ryan, um, <laughs> he's incredible. And we can't talk about him without that talking about quickly that pass to go bear. One of the coolest passes I have ever, you were like drunk tweeting last night at one in the morning about it, but it was like a finger roll touch pass. I just had it. I didn't ever. see that. Live. Oh my god! Uh, and it's like a I, knuckleball. I, yeah, that was. <laughs> I don't know how you turn a finger roll into a touch pass. You have to like premeditate that. I think I, I people don't know what I'm talking about. I yeah, as of now, I think it's the most recent tweet up on my uh, Twitter feed. I mean, yeah, Mike has. I keep saying move the needle, but 
again, something they very much needed uh, in Ant's absence in terms of offense. But I, I would even push back on the idea that Mike has lost a lot. I mean, yeah, maybe he's lost a lot defensively since 10 years ago. But I, I, I see a lot of really, and not just last night, a lot of really competent defense from him uh, over the course of these of these 15 games. And it seems like a small thing, but, uh, you know, Jane McDaniels picks up three fouls in the first half in nine and a half minutes. And it's, we've seen that game a lot from Jaden McDaniels and the, the foul trouble completely disrupts his rhythm. And, you know, he, he can't get into a rhythm because he's in foul trouble. And I thought it was interesting in the second half, how they, how Finch moved Jaden McDaniels off of Jalen Brunson, put McDaniels kind of in the, defensive hiding spot on Quentin Grimes, so he wasn't going to be in a position to pick up as many fouls. That allows Jaden to play the majority uh, of the of the second half without you know significant foul trouble that sent him back to the bench. And that is made possible by Mike Conley's competent defense. They were able to take McDaniels off of Brunson and put Mike Conley onto Brunson. And while, you know, D'Lo is a better shot maker than than mm-hmm. Mike Conley. Um, that is something you could not have done if it was D'Lo on the floor with Jaden McDaniels. I don't think you would feel as comfortable. You would want D'Lo on that Quentin Grimes matchup, kind of no matter what. That, again, allows McDaniels to stay in the game, allows McDaniels to be playing, I think, at the end of the game with only four fouls, so he can then switch on to Julius Randle, who had an insane game, 57 points, makes that big steal. Uh, at the end of the game on Julius Randle, hits a big three. There's a connectivity there that that Mike Conley also allows that to happen by this new nature of the Wolves team where pretty much at all time, not to bag on Jalen Noel, but like of the nine rotation players on this team right now, eight of them you can really rely on defensively. And that has mm-hmm. not been that has not been the case. Uh for much of this season, you know, going back to different lineups, they've had to scramble in and out where you got Jalen Noel and Bryn Forbes on the floor at the same time, or Noel and Delo on the floor at the same time. You're always then scrambling a little bit defensively in the name of more offense. Right. And, and now this team doesn't have that as much. They have eight players in their rotation that they feel like they can really rely on defensively. And that's, that's what this team is, man. I was like looking at it before the game. I'm like, this team stinks at offense. You know, that game was awesome offensively. But they're 23rd in, in offensive rating uh, in the league. The only team with 30 wins who has a worse offense than the Wolves this year is the Clippers. Like, the Wolves are legit, have not been a good offensive right. team this year. Like that, And I say that to mean, as we talk all the time about identity and what that is, like, what defines this team more than anything, is being, if not a shutdown defense, a consistently competent defense that has been, you know, top 10 defensively for much of the season. I think they've only been able to lean more into that identity since Mike Conley got here. They're able to do more things defensively because of Mike Conley. So um, it wasn't just 24 and 11 for him. It was also a huge, I I thought, a huge defensive. uh, He's a huge defensive weapon for this team, too. You know, the, the D'Lo for Conley trade and the trade deadline in general, right? it's just so chaotic. Like, literally, I was at that game soon after he was acquired, and, like, he's just talking about my life has been so chaotic. I don't even know where to, you know, go to the dentist or get a haircut or whatever. Um, and then we just kind of move into the final lap of the season, and we didn't really have, like, a, it's not an off-season transaction where you get to do a deep dive and talk to this player's parents and do all this stuff. Um, but I was thinking about it in the terms of, like, as we get ready for the Sweet 16 in March Madness. Mike Conley was awesome in college, like leading his team to a national championship game. Like he was, I know that was a long time ago and Mike's in his thirties, but I think if you are kind of a casual fan or maybe you weren't familiar, you think of Mike Conley and like that grit and grind, you know, Grizzlies era, but he was a real dude <laughs> when he was at Ohio state. And I just think about that last night, because like you said, Dylan well gave him a little, a little punch, you know, but, not not consistently. Jordan McLaughlin has his moments. Nikhil Alexander Walker is no longer shooting like JJ Reddick, so that's kind of tough. But uh, I mean, Mike Conley, like I said, I read the box score. Like he he gave you points, gave you assists. He didn't turn the ball over except except for that one play late in 
in the game where, again, I was ready to just start bathing myself in bleach. But uh, he just did everything you needed. And he has that veteran presence of like, all right, listen, we don't have Ant tonight. This game is extremely meaningful for us. I have to do kind of everything on both ends. And then just, again, the pass to Gobert. But just his connectivity with Rudy has been, yeah. I mean, you've talked about it multiple times, multiple pods, but his, he just, he does. I know we joke about it, but he finds ways to unlock Rudy. He just knows the extra half step, the extra half second to wait to get Rudy the ball. Uh, and it's just been been a great, great transaction since the deadline. Uh, Kyle, let's uh, let's take a quick break here to tell the our, our listeners that you and I and Burt Robson will be at Falling Knife uh, Brewing Company doing a live show, which seems like far less of a daunting task uh, after a win. I was getting a little scared we were going to come into that that live event like, Wolves have lost nine of their last 11, but uh, come here, they, they rattle off three <laughs> wins to close the season. They might get the 10 seed. Uh, at least at the moment, that is seeming like a more exciting uh, event. Uh, again, April 6th at Falling Knife Brewing Company. Uh, Kyle, myself, and Britt will be there. We're going to start the live recording at 7 p.m., but the three of us will be there at 6 uh, to kind of hang out, uh, talk to people before. We'll hang out a little bit afterwards. So just want that uh, to be on everyone's uh, calendars. Kyle's coming back into town for that, which uh, I'm I'm excited about. And, uh, and yeah, I just think this is in general, a good time to hang out at uh, falling knife. If you're not going to the, the wolves game, uh, on Wednesday at target center, uh, for potentially ant and cats return, I, I think, I think it is a game and a situation in which, uh, might call for some alcohol and, uh, and, and some time <laughs> around fans to, you know, actually it all seriousness, like enjoy something of a year that has uh, you know, had as many scrapes as it has smiles. Yeah. If that's a, a weird line there, but uh, you've been hanging out with Brit too much. I've been hanging out <laughs> with Brit. That's true. Uh, no, but um, yeah, go check out Falling Knife um this week Wednesday or over the weekend when they're playing the the Warriors and Kings too. If you want to just go out somewhere to watch the game, but also I think uh, April sixth would be a really fun time for everyone to get together and kind of reconvene uh, right before these. The, the play-in and or playoffs do start for this team. So Kyle, excited to, to have you there. You got anything on it? No, I'm uh, I'm excited too. I definitely, as an anxious person, have, every time the Wolves lost, be like, am I going to have to pay people to come to this event now? But uh, <laughs> with that big win and kind of the trajectory now shifting back up as this roller coaster goes up and down, uh, it's going to be a really good time. I'm really excited. It's As someone who grew up reading and being a fan of Britt Robson, I'm going to get to hang out next to him and drink a beer and talk about the Timberwolves. So bucket list moment for me but i think uh i also just love that place so please do come out oh it'll be a good time we'll talk about the wolves and either you know a playing spot or whatever but uh as we kind of shift back i have this in my notes i was wondering do you think maybe after 25 minutes of this podcast we should talk about julius randall <laughs> <laughs> we will let's let's take a let's take a quick break here and then uh, we'll talk about julius randall and how the how the wolves handled that Today's show is brought to you by Land and Lore. And did you know that research shows looking tired negatively affects your ability to be successful? As if life wasn't hard enough, right? But a study in the Sleep Journal found that individuals who were perceived as tired were less approachable than others. So good luck getting that raise, that girl or guy or that prospect you're trying to land if people don't want to be around you. But don't worry, Land and Lore has you covered. At Land and Lore, they created products designed to wake your face up. So if you spend all night watching reruns of Ant putting it on Gabe Vincent, or Pat Bev dancing on the scorer's table, they got you covered. And as fans of the Timberwolves, they know life isn't full of highlights, so they have one for you. Use promo code 20CAVEMAN at checkout on Amazon.com to get 20% off their two best items, the face cleanser and moisturizer. That's 20CAVEMAN for 20% off Land and Lore face cleanser and moisturizer when you purchase on Amazon. All right, we are back with uh, Kyle Tige, uh from Score North. Kyle, we, we've talked about Torian Prince. We've talked about Mike Conley. Uh, both had really impressive games. I mean, Torian Prince had an insane offensive game, yet it might not have been the, the best offensive game of the night. Julius Randle drops 57, which kind of surprised me, is the most points the Wolves have ever uh, allowed in a game uh, against uh, or the, the Wolves, the most they've allowed in a game against them. I think the most before that was Tony Parker had 55. You got something? Pointing well, I was gonna say, I just looked that up because I saw it in the notes. So you had Tony Parker at 55, and then D'Angelo Russell, ironically, yeah. was fifth most with 52. But uh, I remember an incredible that. list. 
but it, I mean, truly just as we watched the Wolves make every single shot and like, wow, what is going on? It was perfectly mirrored with Julius Randle, who hit, you know, every shot. Like he was, it was a joke kind of, right? That he made the, the three point contest in the All Star game. Uh, but if you would have only watched him play last night, you would have thought he should have won that contest because <laughs> he was fantastic. Eight for 14 from deep. Didn't really do a lot, but one of the biggest, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts he, and takeaways on this, he but didn't really do a lot. Yeah. He, he, it seemed like he ran out of gas yeah. in the fourth quarter for sure. Cause like, he, I think he only had five points in the actually, fourth. And I don't know. Fin- Finch talked about that post game. Let's, I, I actually thought this was the most interesting basketball thing that came out of post game last night. Here's Finch on what the plan was with Randall, which, Kind of surprised me. What change in the fourth quarter left final twelve minutes? What adjustments did you really make to well, everybody else beat you pretty much? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, guys took his space away a little bit better, got into him, you know, didn't give him the space for the step back, which he had going. Um, you know, crowded him a bit more. Um, you know, uh, he, he was making the tough turnaround on the block. You know, we we kind of th- threw one or two doubles at him. You know, sometimes, I mean, he's a phenomenal player. I coached him in New Orleans. He's a great guy, unbelievable offensive talent. Uh, sometimes guys kind of run out of gas, too, you know, like, it's not, you know, not going to stay that hot forever. Um, so we were taking a little bit, a little bit of a bet that as long as we, um, you know, we're in the lead, uh, you know, we didn't want to like compromise our defense everywhere else just to, to chase that as long as we had the lead. And when we got down, it was different. Then we had to, you know, tighten him up a bit. I think that's interesting for a couple reasons, right? Like one eye test, Julius Randle looked exhausted at the end of the third quarter. Tibbs (laughs) Tibbs wasn't pulling him out of that game for a minute of that third quarter when he was hot, though. And I think he just like, it kind of looked like he was redlining, right? Like, I I didn't didn't think he was going to come back in the fourth and get another like 16. He just looked drained, understandably so, drained. Mm -hmm. And I, I think... I don't know if it had to, I, I guess, by that answer from Finch, it had to do with him reading that a little bit and feeling and seeing that that Randall was kind of slowing down. But it, it's also interesting to me in the context of like DeMar DeRozan did this to them like three days ago. And what did slow down DeRozan in the fourth quarter and overtime in that Bulls game was they pretty effectively like brought that James Harden like high double like right away. You know, like they just went up and they're like, OK, we're just getting the ball out of his hands thought Torian Prince actually did a really good job of that against DeRozan and then kind of scrambling on the backside around it. That's what I expected to see maybe in the fourth quarter, but I, I kind of like Finch holstering that. Obviously, it worked, and I think if Randall would have started rolling, they could have gone to that, but they kind of bet against Julius Randall in the fourth quarter of being able to sustain what he did for the first three quarters, and I think that bet was as big as you know, as, as anything, because it's not like the Knicks don't have other guys they could have gone to once you brought that double on Randall and, you know, swing it to quickly or Brunson or whoever and find some easy buckets. They, they stayed solid defensively. And uh, I thought that was as big of a reason why they won this game uh, as anything, that fourth quarter defense. Well, and now is my time to shine, but another reason that they kind of slowed him down too towards the end, right? Not only did he run out of gas and kind of redline, but, uh, they had they were in foul trouble so much throughout the night, right? Like everyone, it seemed like every forward on the team had four fouls in the first half or early in the third. Um, but Jaden McDaniels, yeah, he was incredible again. Uh, he had that stop with like a minute twenty seven left, where he just completely walled off Julius Randle, got the steal, got fouled, made both free throws, and then it wasn't as meaningful because the game was kind of over. But then he had that block in the corner, mm-hmm. um, neither of which, by the way, were credited. As a blocker, a steal. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. actually got credit for both of them. But um, just, you know, down the stretch, it doesn't matter if it's Julius Randle or if it's, you know, Steph Curry. I mean, anyone, a, a guard, a forward, it's not like you just put Jaden on him towards the end of the game and just say, you know, like the the, the Toy Story thing is hold him back, let him cook. Like mm-hmm. that's what Finch did with Jaden last night in, uh, in two of the biggest possessions of the game. Uh, you know, an all defensive player stepped up and, and kind of shut him down. So great, you know, career night, obviously, from Julius Randle. He was unconscious, but uh, I thought the Wolves, I like the plan, right? Just kind of like, let's make other people beat us. And the Knicks didn't really have anyone. I mean, I know, I know Brunson had like 23 or something, but no one else on the team could really beat them. Mm-hmm. 
I, I think uh, speaking of the the end of the game and that McDaniel's steal and block and just kind of just overall execution at the end of the game. I mean, we're looking at a pretty big shift overall in the Wolves' clutch time effectiveness. Yeah. Pretty much since the since the trade deadline, right? Where one, there's just been a ton of games that have been within five points in the last five minutes, so they're getting a lot more reps there, but. We're seeing just so much. I, I mean, I think of kind of the worst game of this was that one close Denver loss in Denver where the Wolves just like, I think they didn't score for the last like two minutes and 50 seconds of that mm-hmm. game. This team has just struggled to find calm, I guess, in in the clutch or did the kind of first half of the season. Seen a ton of growth there. Uh, the one hole, I guess, to poke in their late game effectiveness recently has been the free throw shooting. Rudy's obviously struggled there in a pretty significant way. I just looked it up, and overall, since the, I can't remember if this is the trade deadline or the all-star break, but I have it in my notes. Uh, the Wolves are shooting 69% from the free throw line. Oh, I have it here. 69% from the free throw line since the all-star break, and they're the only team in the NBA to be under 70% in that time, so dead last in free throw shooting since the all-star break. That seems to have seems to rear its head in the fourth quarter as much as it does any time. Again, we mentioned Rudy. I think about that. Nikhil Alexander-Walker airballed free throw in Chicago. I mean, that's but that's been really the only real gripe I can have with the Wolves' late-game clutchness, I guess. You know, they, they had limited options right now in terms of what they can get offensively in the clutch. We saw them kind of empty the bag and and have nothing else in there for the for the Chicago game in terms of what they could run offensively. But I've just been impressed. I don't know if this is, you know, a Conley thing being here, kind of slowing things down. Kyle Anderson's been good in the clutch the whole time. I think Jaden McDaniels is starting to grow in the clutch. He struggled early on in the season. You think about that Utah loss. Again, you think about him missing that three against Denver as well. But I think outside of free throw shooting, this team has grown in a pretty major way in terms of what they have been able to do late in games. Yeah, I don't think we talk enough about free throw shooting right now. That's a tremendous stat that you just said about shooting 69% or whatever since the All-Star break. Um, They've literally just lost games because of their inability to shoot free throws. And then if you want to take kind of a more of a macro approach, like it might also be why they make some really dumb turnovers. Right. Like, I mean, Torian Prince seems like a cool cucumber, but maybe he wants to get off the ball in that Bulls game because he just doesn't want to shoot him. Right. I mean, Kyle Anderson's a 71% career free throw shooter. Rudy Gobert has been, after starting out the season with like a career best percentage from the free throw line, he is struggling essentially god awful right now. Like, he's going to give you one, one for five almost every night from the free throw line. I, I think he's and, under 50% since the All Star break from the line. So, Again, then you just start to run up and down the roster. It's like Jane McDaniels isn't necessarily, I mean, he was four for four last night and hit two big shots, but he's not a guy that's like, you're getting the ball to. Although last night, I think they did. They're like, in clutch time, like, let's just get the ball to Jaden and let him <laughs> try to create a play late in the game. But uh, yeah, without Ant and without Carl. I mean, yeah. I think you would trust Carl at the line in, in those big spots. But yeah, without those two guys, you know, you just don't have a lot of people that are really ready to shoot him or want to take him. So yeah, I mean, they, 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 let's call a spade a spade. They dodged a bullet last night after, you know, Finch wins that challenge, which was a great play by Kyle Anderson, only for them to immediately turn the ball over again. Mm. Under, if you go watch that play again, it's like, where is Mike Conley going? But for the most part, everything you said is you know very factual. Not only is the free throw shooting a problem, but it does also seem like they had a little more of a veteran group out there and they were able to kind of right some wrongs from previous losses. But the free throw thing is just, Again, none of these guys, are they're all going to be part of the rotation, yeah. whether it be a playing game or a postseason thing. And it's like, you got to just have a better performance where you can't constantly just leave, you know, 10 points, you know, meat on the bone type stuff by going, you know, 60%, 69% from the line. Yeah, looking at it here, post All-Star break, uh, Gobert has, has taken 6.2 free throws per game, uh, which is the most on the team in that time, and he's shooting 58% on them. Next most free throws per game is Ant at 4.3 um, in, in that time. But even he, Ant is under 70%, 69.8. 
Nas Reed, 69.7. These are since the All-Star break. Jaden McDaniels, 75%. That's fine. It's not great. Kyle Anderson, 61%. And then you have Mike Conley, who's made 91% of them. But it has been kind of across the board that this that this team has struggled with free throw shooting uh, throughout the game. I, I, I mean, in some ways, you're playing more non-shooters, and that does kind of just translate yeah. to the free throw line. Like, this is not a strong... I, again, last night notwithstanding, but if we just look at individual quality of these of these shooters, this is not a strong shooting group right now with Ant and Cat out of the mix. So, yes, that is the one thing that we can really pick on here, uh, especially at at the end of games. But overall, the bigger thing is finding ways to kind of go blow for blow with teams in the clutch. We've seen that. I think it's something of these fifteen games since Conley's been here. I think like ten of them have been within five points within five minutes left in the game they've gotten a lot of reps and they've really really grown there uh kyle i i do want to take one more break here but uh just right before um we started recording we got news uh or marnie gellner shared on kfan this morning that uh she has uh breast cancer and uh i just wanted to uh, on here uh just express some love uh for marnie she is obviously such a staple of what Timberwolves basketball is and has been for many, many years. And, um, you know, many of those years I didn't know Marnie and I wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't around her, hadn't ever really met her. Uh, she's been, since I've been doing this and had the chance to be around the team, she's legitimately one of my, uh, favorite people, um, in, in the organization. And, um, uh, I know both of us are just are, are thinking uh, about Marnie and I, I know you are too. Yeah. You know, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but what we're doing now is just an escape for me um, from my real life and my real job. Um, but, you know, I've been working in cancer research now for, I think, almost eight years and having my mom go through it and my mother-in-law and just, you know, friends and family and stuff. Um, you're just reminded again about not to shit on the pod, but like how meaningless all of this is compared to real 100%. life. Uh, and so again, you know, another Marnie is a North Dakota kid just like me, but uh, obviously all the love and positive vibes go out to her. Um, she had a really, really good kind of interview today on KFAN. I would highly suggest just listening to it because it, it does remind you again about the, the emotions that go into being diagnosed and, and the, the loneliness you feel in those moments and just again it's really important to you know my, my my dms are open on twitter if like if you know someone going through it or you or a loved one or whatever there, there's so many resources out there um that will help you not feel so lonely there's so many groups patient advocacy those types of things but as marnie said too and she summed it up way better than i ever could but just you know if you're a female listener go get checked if you're a male listener go get checked um, you know, it, it's important to be on top of your health so you can diagnose these things early and, and get out in front of them. But, uh, but again, just all the love and thoughts go out to Marnie who will, as she does with many other things, kick this as hard as she can and be back in no time and covering the wolves and doing all the fun stuff she does. But yeah, we, we, we love her and, uh, our thoughts and definitely energy goes out to her. Shout out Marnie Gellner. We'll be back, uh, here in a minute. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, back 
uh, for one final segment uh, with Kyle Tige. Kyle, let's kind of uh, wrap this up by wrapping up the Knicks game now being over. There's still being nine games left here in the season. Again, like we've said a few times, sounds like reinforcements are coming probably tomorrow in Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. Uh, I, I want to talk about Ant and Cat, and I think a way to do that is by looking at these last nine games and asking the question of what do they need to do in these last nine games to be able to make the play-in or make the the playoffs. The, the Wolves sit at 36 and 37 um, right now. Where are you just at in your head of what it is going to require to be able to, one, make the play-in, or two, Exceed expectations and and get all the way up to the sixth seed. Where, what what a, do you have numbers that you can that you can stick to that? I don't know if I have any specific numbers. I just know that getting talented players back would be helpful. <laughs> um, I don't know if I don't know if you knew this. Last night's win against the Knicks was only the second time this team has won without Cat and Ant on the floor together. I don't know if you remember this game, but they beat the Celtics. Back in yeah. late 2021, that was the yeah. that was the Greg Monroe game where they had signed Greg Monroe, and like six hours later, he's on the court. Nate Knight had like 20 and 11, um, but I think they're like one in six in games where Carl and Ant don't play. But basically, it's just like the Knicks game was awesome. Torian Prince was awesome. Mike Conley was awesome. But that is a once in a generation type win. Um, you're not going to win games down the stretch without just talent. So. Yeah, if if it's true that Carl Anthony Towns has finally been out of his or you know let out of his lion's cage uh, and could come back on Wednesday, Ant uh, hopefully will be be available for his bobblehead night. But I, you can't you cannot stress enough, Dane, how big that next win was. I got because I got oh my, my god, Ant okay, and Ant Junior bobblehead in the in the mail this morning. <laughs> that is fire. Okay, so the dog's head shakes too. The dog's head. Shakes All right, I'm gonna too. I'm gonna go look at Delta flights. I uh. It, it It's just a reminder of like all these games are really important and to get a win when you just, I mean, the Raptors thing was a schedule loss, whatever, but you blew that Bulls game and to recover and get that Knicks win. And then you see what happens. I mean, every night now, if the Wolves don't even play, it's must watch TV to see what are the Jazz doing? What are the Thunder doing? It's fun. Um, I love it. It is. That, that That's my biggest thing. And that's kind of like, not to turn into a rant, but from a fan perspective, this it's ironic, right? Like this has been probably the most frustrating disappointing season that i can really remember um but in the same vein it's like dude they're playing meaningful basketball games late in march <laughs> yeah so i mean like, and so and again on the other hand it's like yeah but we were promised you know what was the over under win total and from vegas 48 and a half yeah and this team is sitting at 36 and 37 or whatever um but on then on the flip side it's like dude this team might win 41 games for like the fourth time in franchise history that didn't involve Kevin Garnett. And they're going to have Carl miss like 54 of those games, right? So it's been frustrating because there's finally expectations and anyone who is so burnt out, I've texted you before, like I might be ready for this. To, I might be ready for this to be done. <laughs> um, but they have really, and it goes back to the veterans and stuff who have made some mistakes, but there's this team just has some real heart and, kind of toughness that I'm not really familiar with, with, with the Minnesota Timberwolves. But um, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of sent me a cool numbers thing, like to get the 10 seed, I don't think you have to be 500, right? Like that you can be multiple games, I think below 500, 40 and 42, maybe. Um, but that six seed as weird as this season has been, and as frustrating as this season has been, they're like a, what a game out of the six seed. Yep. And that eliminates the plan, right? That gives you a guaranteed set of games. So, um. They do have like a three game kind of West Coast road trip stretch again. That's really tough. But I think after you get through that Knicks game, and I know this is meaningless because the Wolves have lost to the Pistons 14 times, but it does really lighten up. I mean, the schedule now is like you're, it's your oyster. Like you can do whatever you want with it. If you go six and three over these last nine games, you can probably avoid the plan altogether. Yeah. So I was looking at 538 this morning and they they have their just final win projection totals and they have the Clippers um, at 43 and 39 at the five. 
right? And so if you're the okay. Wolves, that would be seven and two to close, um, you know, to to tie with them. And and Annette, I don't have all the tiebreakers written down, but generally speaking, the Wolves, as I understand it, uh, play out pretty well in in some of these tiebreaker situations. So I don't know if we say 43 and 39 is the five seed, that's seven and two for the Wolves. The sixth seed uh, they have as the Warriors at 42, at finishing at 42 and 40. Uh, also the Mavs at seven at 42 and 40. So that, you know, if you want to call that the six, seven seed, maybe the six seed uh, with a tiebreaker, well, that would be six and three over these final nine games. And then you move down to the eight and nine, and the Lakers and the Timberwolves are both 41 and 41 in those projections. And, and they say that would get you the eight, nine, with the Thunder being the 10 at 40 and 42. Also with the Pelicans projected at 40 and 42, the Jazz projected at 39 and, and 43. So it the 12 still is just as close as the six is, literally. Um, and I, I don't know. Part of me wonders if all of these teams with motivation, if we should maybe add a win on to all of those. Like, I don't know how much 538's model is factoring in the fact that these games that, you know, the Clippers and Warriors and Mavs and Wolves and whoever are going to play are going to mean a lot. Like, all nine of those these games are going to yeah. mean a lot to the Wolves. And, you know, based on the opponents and how this kind of shakes out, whether it's the Wolves or other teams could find themselves playing a bad team who literally wants to lose or a really good team who is resting their players. Like that's a factor here in, in the final five games of the season as well. So I, I don't know, like 42 and 40 with some tiebreaker help, I think could potentially get them the six seed. I think 43 is where you feel really good about avoiding the play in altogether. And, you know, that's six and three, seven and two. That's, you know, that's going to be tough, made easier by by Cat and Ant coming back here imminently. Uh, but but those are kind of I think that's the, the way to look at the numbers. I think you feel good about this at 42 and 40 and probably probably find a way to miss the play in altogether if you're able to to get there, which, again, I think is huge because it's going to be the Kings or the Grizzlies. And to me, that is such a difference than needing to go through the play-in and beating the Clippers or or the Lakers or something like that to just get there to be able to play, you know, maybe the Nuggets in the 1-8. Like, the 1-8 against the Nuggets, to me, is so different than the 2-7 against the Grizzlies or the 6 or the 3-6 against the Kings, however that, that sort of shakes out. But those, those are the numbers. That's how I'm looking at the numbers. I, just, I wanted to get this right. The Timberwolves have been in existence for 34 years. Yes. Eight times they won 40 or more games with Kevin Garnett. Three times they've won 40 games without Kevin Garnett. This franchise flat out sucks, like for the most part, right? And it's just, again, I'm not trying to downplay anyone's frustration or disappointment or just overall feelings of exhaustion. But it is worth noting how crazy it is that this team could win 40 games without their best player being available um, for most of the season. And I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about it now that we kind of have the good news of Carl and Ant yeah. possibly coming back, according to Shams. But um, I thought John Krasinski had a pretty good article on The Athletic about Carl and his return. And it just the one thing that stood out to me, because I am a fan first and I kind of ranted about this with Phil the other day is uh, just the, the, the line in there about Carl having a setback, which was like, I don't know, not the messaging that was told to us throughout the beginning of this 2023. Um, but again, whether we want to go into or not, so it's, it, it's exciting to have these guys possibly coming back. I think Torian Prince said it last night. It's like, I mean, Dane just listed how to get to six, how to get to seven, how to get to eight. All those things make sense. I think, and this is optimistic, but I think that locker room believes that if we can just get in, we're going to be a tough, yeah. <laughs> a tough out, right? Like if the, take the Minnesota Timberwolves off the name. If this was the Saskatchewan Clementines, like I think if you said, okay, if this team just makes the postseason and gets Carl Anthony Towns back and Anthony Edwards back, that's a, that's I mean, the, the, the Nuggets are going to be the team with the pressure in the playoffs, the Kings, right? The Grizzlies, the Suns with their kind of all in move, like 
the Clippers? Is this their last stand? The Warriors? Is this like, I know we think the Wolves have expectations and they do, but I also think that if they get in the playoffs, they're one of the few teams that like no one's going to be surprised if they lose. And it's kind of a freeing feeling to be like, all right, let's just. And, and that's because it could work with with cat right, exactly right? like yep, yep 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 and 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 you know and that's the you know that's the the case against it it's like great you're getting an all nba caliber player back into the mix and this obviously boosts your talent in a, in a major way but the like kind of caveat there is like well it was really bumpy the first 21 games of the year integrating two centers together is bumpy there is a world i don't know what the odds of it are but there is a world in which it just helps and it it, it it is just it is just a a good thing and even through any sort of setbacks that they have in terms of continuity like that that is just trumped by the fact that Carl Anthony Towns is out there instead of Nas Reed or you know in instead of a gassed Kyle Anderson right like okay. there there is a where and then th- to that end if there's more continuity and this is a little bit more seamless than we anticipate then yes, the Wolves should be a problem in in a playoff series against a team that is very good, but has question marks again, like the Kings, like the Grizzlies. I I I I don't think it's crazy at all to to say that if the Wolves are back at full strength, and even if we've just seen a few games of ironing out some of the wrinkles, that they should be a a somewhat scary team. I'm not talking about a Western Conference Finals run, but I'm talking about what I think an achievement in this season would be is having a meaningful first-round series that is competitive, goes six, seven games, and you learn something from it. And maybe you catch lightning in a bottle and you're able to pull off that 7-2 upset or 6-3 upset, something like that. Like That seems possible here, if not, if not likely. And I think, that's, I think that's really meaningful, not just for this season, but for this whole experiment big picture going forward dude like a year ago at this exact time we were doing these pods and just saying how important any sort of postseason would be for this team yeah just to get a sample size or a data set of like what this is what this roster can do in the postseason or what they can't do like yeah what they can't do and that and what they learned is that we we can't rebound (laughs) we can't really protect the rim and so they make this you know blockbuster move for rudy gobert and now that's another topic for discussing was it the right move should they have ran it back whatever but you made the postseason you got some sample size of what a six seven game series is like and then you made a move it would be even more important to do that again right to see okay this is the new iteration of us let's get another six or seven game series in and this is what it looks like now with two bigs right Mm -hmm. and if they get swept for god's sakes or something really crazy happens then then you know more again this this summer to kind of pivot and make another move or whatever you have to do so um I, I i know it sounds like a homer take but i cannot stress enough when you look at the western conference standings right now from one to seven again the nuggets the grizzlies the kings the suns the clippers warriors and mavericks outside of probably the kings you could make a case that all those other six teams if they bow out really early in the postseason might blow it up <laughs> right i mean i know that sounds crazy for the nuggets but like if you do this again and you buy out in the first round, they might make big moves like the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Clippers, the Warriors. Like, there's a lot of teams that are going to feel that heat once these games become really, really meaningful. And I think that could be a freeing feeling for a team that's like, all right, we've we've treaded water all year. With I mean, Carlton Towns has missed twice as many games as the entire Sacramento Kings starting five. <laughs> that, that's crazy. You know what I mean? So, again, you got to get there. Uh, I know we're just coming off of one of the biggest wins of the season against the Knicks. And now you're at home against the Hawks team who doesn't like playing basketball, but likes playing it just enough that they'll, you know, mess up your season. So you got to keep it rolling. But I think, I mean, to get through that little East coast road trip to get home off a win and to maybe get some, some real talented dudes back. uh, It'll, it's got to the the roller coaster, right? We're now at the top again. It has reached its (laughs) pinnacle and can it go even higher? Is it going to drop? I, I just want to, you know, say on the the setback thing. Um, I understand the the frustration of the fan base in that. I think uh, and I don't disagree with this. I think the fan base feels like some more transparency here. What have they deserved that and um, have earned that? And and that didn't happen in in the cat situation. I've just 
being as this is my job, I think I follow this stuff and the nature of injuries and how they are disseminated through the organization as closely as anyone, literally anyone does. Um, I had something back when I wrote, I wrote about uh, this mostly under the Rosa's regime of just these veils of secrecy uh, that surrounded it. I tried to make sense of that at that time, um, or I did make sense of it in that time by the fact that like, yes, the dot to connect here is they wanted to lose games, right? Like they wanted to lose games at that time. Why this hasn't made sense to me is this isn't uh, a team who has any incentive to tank or to lose games or, or anything along those lines. Uh, so it's been bizarre. But at the same time, this has been how the Timberwolves handle injuries for six years since I've been covering the team. And I, I, I don't know what to tell people to do with this other than it hasn't changed. This is how they are going to do it. And my only recommendation would to not be to live and die by the injury report. Like the injury report has shown itself to not be in a perfectly accurate representation of injuries and what is or is not going on with this team. Um, I, I don't know what to say or what to do with it. Obviously, there's been a significant light shine on this with it being cat hurt, uh, even ant hurt now. But time and time again, transparency it with this organization as it connects to injuries hasn't come. And you know what? That's their prerogative. They are allowed to do that. And that is their choice. Um, I think as a fan or as us covering the team, you could choose to be really frustrated with that. I don't know how much that is going to do in changing anything. I don't know if that's good energy to, to apply to this. I think in a season that has already been so frustrating in its nature of the trade and the injuries and all this and that, that maybe that's just an added negative energy that you can try and compartmentalize. Um, I try to do that. I'm frustrated as well, trying to better understand this team and preview it and recap it and share what I understand that's going on. This is an area where I and the other reporters on the beat have not gotten information. And I just think that's the way, at least for now, it's going to be. I, 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 I feel for the fans. I know you want to know. So do I. Um, that isn't happening. So it's kind of like the Rudy Gobert trade. It happened. This is life. Uh, it's not as bad as we might, as it might feel like it is. It might, it's that burden of the five first round picks is on your back. It's the same thing with this injury stuff. It is the reality of the situation. And if it is too much to bear, then maybe this isn't a team to follow and buy tickets for and subscribe to the Bally Sports app or even listen to this podcast. Um, I don't know. This is the nature of this team. They have Rudy Gobert on the team. They traded five first-round picks for, for him. Players get injured, and the team doesn't tell you about what the injuries are. That is life as a, a Minnesota Timberwolves fan right now, and I'm hoping these are things that we can put behind us. Nine games left to go. Looks like we'll have Cat and Ant for all, if not the majority of those games. Deep breath. Let's move on and just follow this team going forward. Anyone who listens to this that really knows me, like my good friends, I would obviously classify you as one of those people, um, knows that like one of my fatal flaws is being like a people pleaser. Um, and that has like led to like lying. And I don't, I used to lie a lot as like a kid and a young adult, like, and I'm not lying to like for personal gain. It's just because I don't like to let people feel down <laughs> for the most part. Um, and my wife's been really good about like, yeah, but that's not cool. Like you need to be honest. It's better for yourself. Um, and it, and again, I, I'm a big communications person. I'm a big transparency person. So everything you just said there was totally spot on well better than I could have said it. I, I think more credit should probably actually go to the local people like you and Chris and stuff. I mean, when I've been at the games, you're asking the questions, <laughs> right? Yeah. You're, you're, you're asking like, was there a setback? What's going on? Um, I literally asked your... that after the Instagram post of Carl and his boot. 
And Finch said there was no setbacks at all. And again, I like Finch, so I'm not here to demonize anyone. I will just say in general, after I read the stats about how many 40-win seasons this team has <laughs> not had since Kevin Garnett has been around, uh, there are, because I get, to, I get to go behind the scenes, I get to go in the locker room, I get to go, you know, whatever, media room. There are a lot of great people that work for this franchise. A lot. Don't get that twisted. But this franchise is also super fucking lucky to have a fan base. Still. Super lucky. And all those people want is honesty and transparency. Because during those years, go look up their records by year on basketball reference. 22 wins. 23 wins. 24 wins. People kept showing up and paying the money. And the tickets didn't get cheaper. The concessions weren't free. And all they want is transparency. Hell, outside of basketball, all we want is the truth. Because when you don't have the truth, especially in 2023, you start to get conspiracy theories. And that's the stuff that you just don't need. This franchise mm-hmm. doesn't need it. The, the, the product is fun Farrell now. doesn't need it. Right. The roster is fun. The, the players are relatable, right? I mean, this we used to cheer for some not great people. Uh, Carl's great human. Ant's a great... I mean, these guys are good people. So... Again, you you said it much better than I could, but as a fan first, and I always take pride in that. I'm not a beat reporter or anything. The fans deserve better. Carl deserves better as well. The players, whatever, but the fans deserve transparency in these situations. And like you said, this is how it's been done for more than just this season. This isn't Tim Conley related. This isn't Gerson Rosas related. And it's also how a lot of teams do it, right? Like a lot of teams are pretty vague about their injuries. But that doesn't make it right. And the fans deserve to kind of know what's going on because you rely on the fans to fill those arenas, to buy the jerseys, to do all that stuff. So I'm glad it's all behind us. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that they both have. You I mean, know, and, and Kyle, just to cut in, like, I think, too, we also don't have all the information. You know, and I, I'm yep, not yep, I'm yep. not hiding anything significant or anything and not talking about it here. Like, I don't have all the information of, of what went or didn't go down in this situation with Kat. My experience from having covered the league for a while now, in these times where there seems like a, to be a massive gap in logic, there is usually an explanation that comes back so as to fill in that gap at some point down the line, uh, whether it's the offseason or after maybe even after a player like leaves or changes in the organization, like whatever. I, I think there will be more information uh, to come as to clear up what the heck did happen. Um, because right now, we are having the player who is injured saying there were no setbacks, and the team, or the player be- who is injured saying there was a setback, and the team saying there wasn't. I don't understand. I can't find any logic in the reason to have lied about that. I mean, outside of like, I, I don't know if you think that maybe leads to tickets. That that just isn't even lined up to that, me. But, like, right. I, I just think there was something else that happened in this process that led to some gray area that that this seems very black and white right now with what Kyle said and what the organization, or not Kyle, what Carl said and the, what the organization didn't. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I would I would assume some other things went on behind the scenes that again maybe we'll never know um but this just is how it is right now and again i think it's over so there if nothing else there is some peace in the idea that i think at least as this connects to cat it is is over very close to being over one of my best phrases and emails is i just like to say with that said and then you just kind of pivot so with that said (laughs) oh season saving win against the Knicks and then you wake up this morning and we've been waiting for this one right it wasn't necessarily the injury report but we were waiting for one of those tweets but a season saving win and all of a sudden you find out like okay they might get Carl and Ant back at home pretty cool against a very winnable game um nine games left in the season if you are in or around downtown Minneapolis Wednesday you know Target Center is going to be rocking, especially when they do, if both those guys play, and I don't know, like, if Carl starts or whatever, but starting lineups and stuff, I mean, this is, again, I know the bar of expectations for this entire franchise has always remained just above the floor, but this is real fun basketball, real important basketball. 
again, I still haven't checked Tankathon yet. Well, partly because it's a mental illness if I do, but this is what you want, right? These next nine games aren't deemed postseason games, but they're the closest damn thing to playoff basketball every night from now until, you know, April 11th. So I'm with you. It's behind us, right? Like, it'd be way more cool to talk about Carl playing basketball than Carl not playing basketball. Same with Ant. Mm -hmm. Um, And fingers crossed, they both might make the return in, you know, 36 hours. I think so. Um, And we'll continue to track it. Uh, Hopefully, well, not the next episode. I'll have Jace on Wednesday morning and we'll kind of, I guess, probably talk about a lot of the things that Kyle and I just talked about. But after that, on Thursday, um, hopefully we do get Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns in a basketball game together and we can talk about what the basketball uh, of it looks like. That's obviously my favorite thing uh, to do as it connects uh, to this team. So, uh, Kyle, I appreciate you chopping up the basketball of that uh, Knicks win on Monday, which I am actually with you this time was one of, if not the biggest uh, wins <laughs> of of the season. It was uh, it was fun. I think it was even for me, you know, rejuvenating. I, I thought that Chicago Toronto back to back was it was a low point, you know, and kind of understandably so. Schedule loss, blah, 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 injuries, all that. Um, this team has found a way consistently throughout the season to actually never be too low and actually never be too high. <laughs> they are literally 500 always. Uh, so we'll see uh, what these final nine games can do to be in the playoffs. They are going to need to play better than 500 basketball, which is something they have not done for any consistent stretch of the entire season. Uh, see if they can do it for the last 10 games of the season. And if so, I think we'll have a fun first round playoff series, hopefully in California. And I, I don't want to go back to Memphis. Hopefully, hopefully Sacramento. I'm, I've been saying that's that's my first round matchup. I think that's that's best for this team. Uh, it's going to take some wins to get there. Uh, we'll see how this goes. Uh, he's Kyle Tiger. You can listen to him on Flagrant Howls over at Score North with Phil Mackey. Obviously, you can listen to him on here. Kyle, it was fun to have you back on. You were on vacation last week. Uh, we'll, we'll be getting at least once a week of Kyle uh, for the rest of the season, probably even a little bit more of that as we kind of even ramp up our coverage a little bit more as the, the play-in and playoffs come. So follow Kyle over at Kyle Tige on Twitter. I'm Dane at Dane Moore NBA. I'll be back on Wednesday morning with Jace Frederick from the Pioneer Press. We'll preview the ant cap, what we're looking for. I need to kind of think about that a little bit, what we're looking for. Uh, Wednesday against Atlanta and then over the weekend against Golden State and Sacramento. So until then, he's Kyle. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man. I hope it never stop. Yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down. Yeah. Hope you dancing like nobody else around. Yeah.